It, it is a pleasure speaking with Gary Peel, uh, the Bay of Boston, to come to the town with Joe Jet and the Blackhearts on July 20th. What can we expect on the 40th anniversary tour? Well, we're certainly going to be playing uh, all the hit songs that people love singing, and <laughs> sometimes they're singing along with the songs louder than we play them. But, uh, so that, but we're also going to do some deep cuts, some songs we haven't played in a long time, and then we'll probably throw in a new song or two from the latest album, Life, Love, and Hope. Now, when you're putting like a set list together, I mean, you have to play like everything from the first album. Is, is that pretty much an unwritten rule, or, or do, you, do you leave something off one night and rotate it around, or...? We try to mix it up, but yeah, everybody keeps asking for all those songs. So yeah, they're always in there somewhere. Now you've got quite the uh, backstory because I was, I was looking at your bio, and you know, and before you were part of Boston in the '80s, you spent a number of years working with Sammy Hagar. That's right. Uh, I was lucky enough to be in his band, and in 1977, right when I joined the band, Sammy's manager knew Boston's manager. We got to open up the end of Boston's first tour. So, and they liked us, we liked them, and they said, hey, you guys should open the entire second tour with us. So we traveled all around the country, 78 through 79, as the opening act. And then in 85, when Sammy got the call to join Van Halen, uh, Tom Scholz heard about it and called me up and said, hey, I heard you were out of the gig. Why don't you come back here and help me finish the third stage album? And I've been here ever since. Man, that's great stuff. Wait, so are you responsible for the riff on Three Lock Box from Sammy? <laughs> Uh, that's Sammy's riff. I, I can't okay. uh, claim for that one. <laughs> All right. But yeah, he, it was good. I, I spent eight years in Sammy's band, and it was a lot of fun. And people ask, well, what's the difference between Sammy and Tom Scholes? You know, different guys. And I said, oh, yeah, Sammy is what you see is what you get. <laughs> He's always in a good mood, always ready to party, terrific singer, guitarist, and, and uh, it, was, it was a great time working with him. Uh, Tom always uh, shows up on that list of 100 greatest guitar players of all time. But he also shows up on the list of 100 greatest keyboard players of all time. And there's nobody else in the world that's on both those lists. Then you throw in, of course, you know, uh, uh, best rock songs of all time. There's always a couple of Boston songs on there. And he designed the amplifiers that we're building. You know, we're the only band in the world that plays amps that, you know, that we've built. So he's a really special guy. And uh, I've really enjoyed my time working with him. He seems like to be, I think this has to be like the smartest guy in rock with all his degrees and the fact that he's like an inventor. Somebody asked me to, to describe Tom in four words. I said, oh, man, four words. Uh, and so I said, smartest guy I know. <laughs> uh, when you joined the band for the third stage, did you, you played on the third stage album, is that correct? Yes. Now, I, I saw a story that at one time, that like before the album was released, that Amanda was leaked out or something. Is that one of those things that that kind of happened that helped build momentum for the album? Do you remember that or? Uh, I do. And uh, the what happened was, because uh, Tom was working on the album uh, over a number of years, and the record company was you know getting anxious, <laughs> and uh, they said, well you know show us what you got. And so he sent them a tape of Amanda. Well, of course, somebody there in the company made a copy of it, at least to some radio stations, and got played, uh, you know, before they could take it down. Say, no, no, you can't play that now. But, uh, yeah, it, was, it became like the most requested song uh, for, uh, for on a couple of stations there, very briefly. But then, uh, once it finally was released, it went to number one, which was, ironically, the only number one single that uh, Boston never had. You, you would think it would have been more than a feeling or something, but... Uh, Stevie Wonder had the number one slot at that time, so Boston was only number two for more than a feeling.
Oh man, yeah. How how did it feel to have that number one song in in the country? Because that's you know that's that's not something, that, especially you know for rock bands, not an easy achievement. But what did that feel like? Oh yeah, that's you know way more than special. You you just pitch yourself. You just can't believe it. You you think your dream is like, wow, a number one record in the single and the album were uh, number one there. And uh, that was the year, uh, of course, it came out in 86, but then we toured in 87, and then we broke records with all kinds of places for a number of, you know, concerts, you know, four nights here and nine nights in Boston, and so it was uh, amazing. You know, again, a dream come true. Absolutely. Now, what is the recording process like? I, I, I know, and... and... And Tom's been known for you know the the long gaps between albums. But are, do you guys spend a lot of time in the studios? Is it the editing process that takes a long time, or because you've been on the last four albums? What is what is that like? Yeah, uh, Tom, of course, is the songwriter, so he'll have an idea, and he has his own studio in his basement there, and so uh, he'll start to work on an idea, and instead of uh, doing it um, like kind of demo process, or, you know, a little tape recorder or voice recorder or something. He'll use the real studio equipment with the right sound so that he doesn't have to do it again uh, in case he likes something. Well, of course, uh, he wants to hear all the variations and try things out. And so it's not that he's slow, but he's just very thorough and wants to hear, you know, try everything he can. And with the, the best sounds, he'll think of, gee, I wonder if I could get this sound. And He'll tinker with it or even build equipment to get the sound he's looking for. So it, it does take him a long time. But uh, And then we'll come in and do our parts. Uh, but it's, you know, it's great with him, working with him because he knows what he wants and and is open to, you know, improvisation as well. You say, well, here's the spot here. Just, just go for it. Play whatever you want, you know. So it's not as if he's telling us, oh, you got to do this, you know. No, it's like, hey, here's this, you know, go. If <laughs> you got eight parts, just go for it. Do what you want, you know. So it's great working with him. Nice, nice. And now you still have Tommy DiCarlo doing the lead singing in the band. I think he's been with you guys for about uh, 10 years now. Yes. Yeah, we found Tommy online. Uh, he had never been in a band before in his life, and but just loved the music. And so he would sing our songs and record them and put them up on YouTube or whatever. And somebody told us about him, and we found him. And but he must have thought they hit one of his friends with Kidman when we called him up and said, Hey, this is Boston. We want you to come audition for the band. He just something, <laughs> Billy, is this you? What? Yeah, you trying to pull something on me? So no, no, it's really it's Boston. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's been a great addition to the band. Now, was it an adjustment for him because he's a guy that had like what no what music experience, but bringing a guy like that on the road. I mean, was he a deer in headlights, or how how do you adjust to the situation? <laughs> you know, uh, at the time, we also had Michael Sweet with us uh, in the band. Uh, because Michael had his own platinum records with uh, Striper, mm-hmm. and so uh, the two of them were trading off uh, lead vocal duties on, on that tour. And Michael was a great friend to him. You know, they they got along terrifically, and uh, I'm sure Tommy learned a lot just watching Michael. Because again, you know, he's here. He is a, a platinum record uh, artist on his own, and been around the world in, in his band, his own band. And so uh, I'm sure Tommy learned a lot, and. Uh, uh, Michael was great to have, and, and uh, again, great friend of Tommy at the time. Well, I appreciate it. Well, Gary P.O., we're looking forward to your show coming up on July 20th here, Veterans and in Homeless Amphitheater in Virginia Beach. Uh, with uh, Joe and Jen, have you guys toured with Joan before, played any shows with her? No, we haven't, although uh, we have done some big festivals, but you know how those are. She'll play one day and we'll play the next or something, but we haven't actually shared the same stage or the same day with her. So 
we're really looking forward to it. Do you have you made it down to Cabo Wabo yet? Ever yeah. has Sammy invited you? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, actually, I was there for the opening, and then I went back a couple of other times uh, for the birthday bash down there. So yeah, that's that's always a lot of fun. Awesome, Gary. Thank you so much, and good luck on the tour. We look forward to seeing you in, in July. Thanks, Dave. See you soon.